Uh, well, turn to Psalm 103. I think we'll mostly stay in the Amplified Bible tonight. We are coming up to higher levels, you know. Hallelujah. The corporate body, not just individuals. Corporately, we're going up to higher levels. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you, um, if you, there's levels in God. There's levels. There's places to go in God. And if you stay on the same level, you grow, you grow stale or stagnant. Even though the level that you were at, like, Three months ago, it was a good place. I mean, you had grown. You said, man, I've grown. I'm so different than I was last year. But if you stay there, you'll be stale. You have to go to the next level. And guess what? When you just about get comfortable at that level, then you got to go to the next level. It's always a growing process. Your Christian life, you will never arrive. You will never get to the place where you can say back, sit back and just say, well, we got there. Praise God. Well, that's not till heaven. And even then, we're going to grow and learn. Amen. You're in, in the seven years tribulation while we're in heaven. We're not going to be in the earth. But while we're in heaven, we're going to be learning some things because we've got to come back and rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And everything you didn't learn here, you're going to learn there. Amen. And so if you'll learn a bunch here, you won't have to start in kindergarten there. Hallelujah. You might get to start in fifth grade or something. Or you might even get to start in eighth grade or something. But I know that we're all going to get to learn in heaven. Psalm 103 says, Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me, bless His holy name. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all His benefits, who forgives every one of all your iniquities, who heals each one of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age with good so that your youth renewed is like the eagle, strong, overcoming, soaring. The Lord executes righteousness and justice, not for me only, but for all who are oppressed. Hallelujah. We've been studying Psalm 103. We've been learning some things that we're not supposed to forget. Or in other words, we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to keep these things in close remembrance to us. Don't forget them, he says. And he tells us to bless affectionately and gratefully. In other words, we can't remember passively or casually. We've got to get our heart involved, our soul involved. We've got to, he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, our mind, will, and emotions. We have to get our emotions involved. He says, affectionately. That's my emotions. He says gratefully. Gratefully means thankfully. And I'm thankful with my will. Amen. That effect, that's my will. I decide. That's my decider. When I, and so he tells me I'm going to have to, I have to get, I can't just be passive about this. Bless the Lord on my soul. Oh, praise God. Bless the Lord. You know, no, it's more than that. It's when you get your whole heart into it. That's what we were doing in praise and worship tonight. I can feel behind me that the church is, you know, that you put your heart into it. I can feel it behind me. You put your heart into blessing Him and praising Him and gratefully. I mean, and you know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate a church that hooks up and, and you know, it makes us go higher. I can feel us going higher and we can, and we keep rising up higher and higher and higher because we're putting our heart in it. Amen. And you know, when you're looking around like this and, you know, and you're, you know, you're looking at your fingernails during praise and worship and, you know, and, and you're thinking about, um, you're thinking about, well, I wonder where we're going to go eat after uh, church tonight. Well, your heart and emotions aren't involved. Now, I will tell you this, <clears throat> that those thoughts, Satan sends those thoughts while you're in praise and worship. I mean, this morning, I was sitting there and all of a sudden I found my mind going off somewhere. Boy, I had to get it back. We take those thoughts captive. But Satan is able to insert thoughts into your mind. And so he'll try to distract you because he doesn't want you hooking up with faith and with power to the promises of God. Because when you hook up with faith and power to the promises of God, guess what? You're going to have them. And he don't want you to have them. Amen. So he's, he tries to distract us, doesn't he? He tries to get us real passive about the whole thing. He tries to get us to not use our heart to, to, to just passively agree with the Word of God. Or in other words, to have mental assent. 
He tries to get us just to, yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I believe that. Well, that's not enough. That's not enough. You've got to hook your heart, your faith, all of your being. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. This is a passionate verse. This is very passionate. This is with every ounce of my being, every ounce of my strength. And when we do that, and when, now some people are very passionate, but, and they're passionate about God, they're passionate about loving Him, but they hadn't hooked it up to anything. We also, in our passion, we have to hook it up in faith to the promises of God. Amen. Just being passionate's not enough but being passionate about the promises of God. And then he tells us what they are. And we've studied some of them already. To um, who forgives every one of all your iniquities. I really like how the Amplified specifies that it's, it's, these, it's separate. Each one of all your iniquities. Each one. Not part of them. Not, not a, he, you know, some Christians act like they're partially forgiven. I can tell you, I can tell you that some of you are, you act like you're partially forgiven. Now, if I said, are you partially forgiven? You'd say no. But listen, when it comes to, to how worthy you feel, you don't feel totally worthy. And one way to find out how unworthy sometimes we feel is sometimes when we start to receive healing, but a, another even higher way that I think makes us sometimes our really our, our religious, the religious part of us, the things that have planted in us, and the unworthiness part of us, the part that's not been renewed, who doesn't know who we are in Christ Jesus, we can even really believe that God doesn't want people sick. But when you start getting over into mega prosperity, something unworthy tries to rise up in us. Something just like, oh God, oh God. And we start trying to back off a little bit. Oh, we want partial prosperity. We don't want to be poor and we don't want to have any lack, but we don't want to talk about things where you get way over there in prosperity. And you know what that is? That's the unworthiness inside of us. And of course the devil taking those little thoughts and inserting them into your mind too, he likes to help that along. I'll tell you something that may surprise you. He'd rather you be healed than he would for you to be prosperous. Amen. He really doesn't want you to be either one. But if he's got to choose, he'll let you have a, a revelation of healing before he'll let you have a revelation of prosperity. Because he knows what you can do to his kingdom with prosperity. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, then he says, uh, uh, who heals each one of all your diseases, each individually, each individually, not in some sort of lump sum thing. Usually can't receive it that way. I would encourage you, if you have more than one thing wrong in your body, to begin to receive it individually. And if your faith is sort of stretched, take the one that's the most pressing and receive that first. Or pray and ask the Lord which one to receive first. And He, I tell you, over the last uh, three and a half years, God's put my body back together. And He did it one thing at a time. I'm talking everything from a corn on my toe where I couldn't buy shoes that would fit, that hurt my, I mean, it hurt. It would hurt me to wear dress shoes in order to preach. And I am going, God, you have called me to be a preacher. I cannot wear loafers up here. To preach, I've got to wear dress shoes. He has put my body back together, but He did it each one individually, each one of all your diseases. And you have to believe for each one. I'm reminded of the woman that Brother Hagin talks about that came up and said, you know, she was deaf and she couldn't hear. And she said, Brother Hagin, I can't even hear what the preacher says. And they pulled, they would pull her chair up right real close to the podium and she could just barely hear then. And she came up to be healed and God opened her ears, healed her. Her hearing was restored. But this woman had a, I don't know what was wrong with her leg, but she walked with a limp or something or anyway, she had a cane and she couldn't walk very good. And so she got her hearing. Praise God, she's hearing. And they're in a miracle service and she starts, she turns around and starts walking off. And Brother Hagin says, wait, 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 wait a minute, sister. You know, and she's, he said, what about that leg? And she said, oh, I can live with that, but I couldn't live without my hearing. Well, I mean, you know, that's she, it, it, and sometimes that's how we are. You think, well, God would have just healed all of it at once, but he healed what she believed him for. 
Amen. Okay, y'all are catching on. All right, then uh, he, we talked last week specifically how he, he redeems us from destruction and how we're saved from destructive tornadoes and etc. Y'all listened to last week's tape. And then we talked about how he wants to crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies, doing good things for us. He wants to crown us with loving. He wants to crown, he wants to love us. He wants us to love him. He wants to love us. He wants to show us love. He wants to show us love through people. He wants to give us kindness. He wants to show kindnesses to us. He wants to us treated very tenderly. He wants to treat you tenderly. He wants you to treat others tenderly. He wants, he wants a tenderness thing going because you gotta be tender. He wants you to have a tender heart towards others and he wants others to be tender towards you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll talk about that maybe more some later because I've got some new revelation on that. And He wants to crown you with mercy. He wants to show you mercy. He doesn't want to show you judgment. He wants to show you mercy. He's looking for a way to show mercy. Some people talk like God's looking for a way to judge. Oh, He just can't wait to judge us. He just can't wait to thump somebody on the head. He's looking for a, some, He's looking to show mercy. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap and ask Him to show mercy. It's like, we want to kill them. And God says, oh, if you just pray, I'll show them mercy. Amen. And He wants to show you mercy. Amen. Okay, so now we're down to the part I wanted to get to tonight. He says here, He satisfies your mouth. And I like what the Amplified does. It goes ahead and explains that. Your necessity and desire at your personal age with good. He satisfies your mouth, He says, with good things. He satisfies your necessity and your desire. I'm so glad He didn't just say, He satisfies your necessity. But you know what? That's how most people receive it. That only He's going to give you is what you absolutely need. He'll barely supply your needs. But that's not what He said. He said, I'm going to supply your necessity and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to satisfy your desire. Not just your necessity, but also your desire. Some of you feel guilty for desiring things because that's what you've been taught. You feel guilty. I mean, you see a new car and you desire it and you feel guilty for it. I can tell you, you know, the smell of them makes me desire them. That's what God gave you a sense of smell for. Well, I mean, not just for new cars. But when you smell cake cooking, you desire it, don't you? When I smell new cars, I desire them. I, Alex, how do you work out there smelling them all the time? It, <laughs> Praise God. Does it smell like that out there? Do they smell like that? Okay. Kind of like working in a perfume store, isn't it? Okay. Well, He wants to satisfy our necessity and our desire. He wants to satisfy your desire. Well, I want you to turn over to Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, and we're just going to let the Word of God talk to us tonight. Y'all believe the Word, don't you? You've already chosen to believe the Word of God. I don't want to convince you tonight, but I want the Word of God to convince you about some things, how God wants to satisfy your desire, how He wants to bless you. And He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed and more than you uh, feel like you ought to be blessed. we got to renew our mind because all of us have a sense of unworthiness. It came from our grandfather, Adam. When he fell, he began to have a sense of unworthiness. Now, we got saved in our spirit. When you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit got saved. But you have to get your soul saved. It's up to you to get your soul saved. It's not up to God. God saved your spirit and He said, Now, get your soul saved. Renew your mind. And you have to renew your mind. You have to renew out that old unworthiness stuff that's been passed down through thousands and thousands and thousands of generations, starting at Adam. Your grandfather Adam had a sense of unworthiness. And it's been passed down. And depending on what branch of that family you came up in, sometimes it's reinforced many times over that we are very unworthy. I know a lady told me one time that her daddy told her all her life she was that they were white trash. 
That's what her, the, the, she was taught. We're white trash. Poor white trash. That wasn't, I didn't even finish it. Poor white trash. That's what we are. Well, how will that put on, won't that reinforce a sense of unworthiness inside of you? Another, this is what we are. This is what we're supposed to be. This is what we're created to be. That's a lie. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. 37.4, are y'all there? He said in 37.4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Well, this has a twofold meaning, this verse does. It means that the things you desire in your heart, God will give you. But it also means that God will give you the desires that are in your heart. Do y'all catch it? I mean, I'm trying to say this so you understand. In other words, God actually puts the desire that He wants you to have, He puts it in your heart. He puts the desire He wants you to have in your heart. Now, all the desires that are in your heart that are not immoral and that are not illegal, God put them there. If you're a Christian, if He put a desire in your heart for... Uh, I mean, if you have a desire for new carpet in your house, God put it there. You didn't put that desire there. God put it there. God put it there. If you have a desire for a new car, God put it there. I've noticed the desires that God puts there, they're sustained. Now, every once in a while, we all have a whim. You know, and we go, oh, I'd like to have one of those. But it's, you know, it's just kind of off the top of our head. I'm talking about a desire in your heart. I'm talking about something that you, that you, 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 that you can get passionate about. I mean, you know, I look at those little, I like those little new Volkswagen Beetles, you know. I like those and I say, well, you know, if I just had cars just sitting around everywhere, now I wouldn't want that to be my only car to drive. I'd sure hate to go to Chattanooga and the thing. But if, you know, if you just had one just sitting, you know, if you just had one to drive the grocery store and one to go on trips in and one, I think, those are cute. And I would, I'd, I'd like to have one. They're cute. But I don't have any passion about it. You know, I don't, I don't have any, I don't, I, I don't have any, I, I wouldn't even give it enough, um, I wouldn't give it enough attention to even pray about it. I don't have that much energy for it. So I don't think God gave me that desire. Do you? I mean, everything you think's cute. Now, it, sometimes things can get deeper. You know, they start out here and they begin. You get begin to get them. You you can get things. God can eventually it can drop down in your heart and become God. Somebody's you know tickled over this. All right, but desires in your heart. <laughs> well, okay. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. He wants to give them to you. Well, if I have a desire in my heart, how do I get it? Well, let's read verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose, repose each care of your load on Him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. Well, that be confident. We know confidence is faith. We got to put faith in Him, but we roll the care of it and how to get it over on Him. I can't do this myself, God. I don't know how to do this. I don't. I, I don't know how to do this, but I have this desire in my heart. And so, if you put a desire there, Lord, sometimes I start out this way. I say, God, I got this desire in my heart. Now I'm expecting one of two things. I'm expecting you to either show me something concerning this desire or I'm expecting you to take it away. I tell you what, He doesn't take them away most of the time. Oh, like I told you, sometimes some flippant little thought will go through my head and that I want something today that I don't even really want tomorrow. You know, we all do that. You walk through the mall and you go, I want that ring. And you know, you think you do, but tomorrow you wouldn't. I don't want that ring. You know how that is. I mean, you, some of you guys, you walk by the, one of those trucks with those big monster tires and you go, ah, I want that truck. Yeah, you thought that before. But then you thought about what your wife was going to say when you, no, I'm just, no. that could take the desire away, couldn't it? <laughs> anyway, I, I always figured hoisting me up in it would be quite a challenge. <laughs> 
<laughs> Praise God. Okay. Hallelujah. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh-huh. We're fixing to start having youth on Sunday night, too. <laughs> and get rid of those two. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, okay. So, you know, but if that desire continues, then God's expecting me to get in faith about it. He's expecting me to take it to the next level. Not just waiting on Him, but He's expecting me to take it to the next level and to get in faith about it and begin to believe I receive, begin to pray about it, begin to meditate on it. And I tell you what, when you get over and you go up to some of these higher levels, God's going to ask you to believe for some things that are big and they are not comfortable to you. And I tell you, the things that God's asking for you to believe for personally are practice for the spiritual things and the things for the kingdom that He wants you to believe for. God lets us practice on cars and houses, y'all. He lets us practice on those things. We practice on them. It's so important. I hope every one of you in here is believing for something personal. For one thing, if you don't, we're designed to work by the reward system. If you don't have a reward for yourself in mind, I can tell you, you're going to lose your passion for God. And you're also going to slip over into old poverty thinking. You will. You'll slip into poverty thinking. If you let the devil lie to you and say, well, now I just don't want anything for myself. I'm just going to give all my money to the kingdom. First thing you know, you won't be given anything because it's poverty thinking and you'll get clamped down and afraid. And you'll start holding on. You'll just get tighter and tighter because you're holding on to something. Hallelujah. God designed you to live by the reward and to work for the reward. He wants to reward you. He wants you to have, and not all of it in heaven, He wants you to have days of heaven on earth. And He wants to give you desires. He wants to plant desires in your heart. And then He wants you to believe for them and let Him bring them to pass. Amen? But you got to hook up your believing. I told Pastor this morning, I know Pastor, he was plowing ground this morning. He was plowing ground. We were plowing ground. And you know, I said, you know, Pastor, it seemed like that we're having to make these people believe for things they don't want to believe for. It's like, you won't make me believe for a new house no matter how hard you try. You can't make me believe for one. Some of you are like that. I won't believe for a new car. I will not. Well, if you think about how ignorant that is, I mean... I don't, I don't mean to insult you. I didn't mean that. But we can get so blinded by the devil. Because, see, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe and roll all the care of it over onto Him. And He will bring it to pass. Now, I could understand somebody getting like this if they were going to have to do it. But the good news is, you don't have to. Well, I know y'all really aren't like that. But, because I was counting up the other day, I think it's like seven or eight families in this church since we've been pastoring this church have gotten new houses. Something like that. And no telling how many new cars. Praise God. Some of you may have gotten them anyway, but some of you probably wouldn't have except somebody preached the word of faith to you and you got a hold of it. And you said, I can have something more than I thought I could have. Well, family, don't stop. See, sometimes we get there and we go, we feel like, man, that would be so ungrateful. That'd be so wasteful to get a new house, move in the next week and start believing. Well, I tell you, you're in good company. I know Pastor and Miss Webb, you know, in Birmingham, the Word of Life Christian Center, they got a new house a year ago, July. Oh, I mean, it's nice. It's very pretty. We got to tour it not too long ago. I mean, it's got a private pond and it's out on, uh, you know, some acres by themselves and you drive up and there's an automatic gate. You mash a button, the gate opens. There's horses. Now, this is what they'd like. I wouldn't want the horses myself, but you know, this is them. And so they, and you drive around their pond. It was very, Pretty and pull up, and then beautiful house with all all these windows that you can see out on the pond, and just gorgeous home. But I heard her say on a tape, as I think it was last about in May, that she's believing for the next house, believing for the next house. 
See, there's not any shortage. And these are just steps you're taking. See, I know that your mama and your daddy, they bought a house and they lived in it for the next 40 years. And it was the old family homestead. Now, isn't that how it was? Isn't that how they... They didn't know the same father. They knew him, but they didn't know your father in the same way you know him. And if you want an old family homestead, you can have it. But I look at the house my great-grandmother lived in. I don't want to live in it. It had an outhouse out behind it. And even when you try to take one of those houses and you update and you put plumbing in it, it's not the same. It's not the same. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Oh, God's got good stuff for you. Now, you don't have to believe for a house, but you got to believe for something. You got to believe for new carpet in your house then if you don't want to believe for a house. Believe for drapes. Believe for something. Believe for a new car. Believe for a motorcycle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Believe for something. And, and, and I just feel quickened to say this right now. I don't know why, but this just came up in my heart. didn't plan this. Don't scatter shots your faith so much. Don't believe, oh yeah, I want a car, I want a boat, I want a house, I want a motorcycle. Yeah, I, I, one of them four-wheelers, I want one of them too. Want a, want a, well, you know. Well, and let's see, I'd like a fishing boat and I'd like a ski boat also. And how about one of them pontoon boats to party on? We'll just take one. You see, you got your face so scattered out. You couldn't get any of it. You won't get any of it. There's something that God's put on the forefront of your heart for this hour. Focus in on it and get it with your faith. Focus in on one thing. Now, I'm helping you. This is all extra. i got a ton of scriptures here, and we're going to look at them. Matthew chapter 7. He wants to satisfy you. You can say you're satisfied if you want to, but you're not. You can you can't drive. You can't go to uh, you can't if you're satisfied. You need to take a drive around Tuscaloosa. Won't you drive out to uh, Crown Point? That'll get you unsatisfied. Won't you take a drive over to uh, uh what's that Car- Caramel Bay or somewhere like that? That'll get you unsatisfied. You say well. That'd be greed and that'd be lust. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. That's the kind of stuff God wants you believing for. Now, listen to me here. You're not going to go from a 20 by 8 camper trailer that you're living in to 1.2 million on Carmel Bay. You can't go there. You can't get there from the camper trailer. You're going to have to go from the camper trailer to the Double wide, maybe. And from the double wide to the... you you got to take some face steps. Because you can't get from the camper trailer to the to Caramel Bay in one step. Amen. Amen? You take face steps. Hey, don't be, ever be ashamed of what you've received by faith. Yeah. Don't ever be ashamed if, what, if you've just moved from a pup tent to one of them four-room tents like Sears has. You know, you can get a four-room tent. And those are a lot better than them little tents that you can't stand up in, that you have to crawl into. If that's all your faith did, don't be ashamed of it. Because it's a step. And then you'll go from the four-room tent to the next thing you know, you'll be driving up. You'll have a pop-up. Amen? With a built-in stove. Amen? Don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed. you got to take steps. We understand that. We preach, believe for the 1.2 million, but we understand you got to take steps. we got to take steps. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't, want any, don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't, ever, don't be ashamed of buying a used car. If you believed God for it and you used your faith, don't be ashamed. 
Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed of that. I tell you what, I had to believe for three or four used ones before I got to believe for my first new one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And you know, don't, don't be deceived by, well, now bless God, we're not going to finance anything. Because, you know, we're just not going to finance. That'd be sin. And don't, and, and you, some of you, I just sense you just feel guilty. For fi- Listen, your face got to get to the place where you can believe to pay cash for a car. And you can't walk to work until it gets there. Amen. We increase to inherit. Praise God. Believe to make a payment. I've seen people that wouldn't believe to make a payment. They 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 drive something that 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 they that. And a lot of times, your faith you got to drive something. You got to drive something nicer in order to believe. See, it increases your faith. It increases your faith. Every time you advance, it increases your faith. Well, I'm helping some of you. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good, and look at this, and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect, perfect as he is, give good and advantageous things to those who keep on asking him? I, lo- I wanted to read that from the Amplified to you. Good and advantageous things. Good and advantageous things. Okay, let's read some more. I want you to go to James 1, verse 17. You may want to write these scriptures down and read them in the Amplified yourself when you get home. If you don't have an Amplified Bible, you need to believe God for one. Because sometimes it really helps you explain some stuff. James 1.17 in the Amplified. Every good gift and every perfect... Now look at what that means. Free large, full. Free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining, in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. Well, that part's not important. The first part is every good gift and every perfect gift, large, full, and free. God has good gifts for you, and He has large ones. Amen. Amen? And He gives them to you. He wants to give them to you, but you don't get any of them without believing for them. Amen? Okay, everybody believing for something? Deuteronomy 8, chapter 12. We're going to go back to the Old Testament for a minute. Because I wanted to show you some of the things that God wants you to have. Some of those good, large, free gifts that He wants you to have. Deuteronomy 8, 12. Now, you know, sometimes we think, well, let me just start over. We were driving a little car, a little put-around car, kind of. I won't tell you exactly what it was. but And so we were sitting in our, I was sitting there one day in January, right at the first of the year, fellowshipping with the Lord. I heard the Holy Ghost say in my heart, the still small voice, not an audible voice, heard Him say, it's time to believe me for a new car. No, he didn't. Excuse me. That's not what he said. That time. He said that to me another time. But this time he said, he said, I want you to believe me for a new car by the end of February. That's what he said. I want you to believe me for a new car by the end of February. So I said, okay. See, God will initiate things. He'll put things in your heart he wants you to believe him for. Now, it doesn't always happen this way. Sometimes desire comes. But sometimes he just flat out tells you, do this now. Believe for this. And sometimes when he tells you to believe for something, you don't even really want it. You're pretty happy with what you've got. And so he put in your heart, he said, believe for me a new car by the end of February. Well, you know, we was pretty satisfied. One reason we were satisfied because the one we had was paid for, you know. And so towards the end of February, we look out across the street and our neighbors had had a car. And every time we'd see their car go by for about a year, we'd say, oh, isn't that the prettiest car? That's the prettiest car. Isn't that the prettiest car? And, you know, never really thought about it. But, uh, uh, and it was pretty good step for us because we were driving a little putt-putt. And I'll tell you what it was. It was a Lincoln Continental. And uh, so, and it was pretty. It was really pretty. And so they put a for sale sign on that car. And so, well, we thought, well, 
we'll see. So we called him and everything. And then we, he talked to the bank and, and we got that car. We ended up getting that car and I didn't get it by the end of February. It took me till March 4th to get it. But you know, I, it was probably me, slower than God, you know. But you know, anyway. Well, I remember then. Of course, now we're making payments. We had a paid for car. Now we're making $300 a month payments on this car. That sounds pretty good now. Uh, <laughs> actually, that sounds real good. Um, so, making payments. So then, you know, rocks along, maybe a year or so, year and a half. And uh, one time, the, now we weren't doing without anything, but got one of those little tight spots, you know, where finances kind of get tight. You know what I mean? You've been there where it's like, well, it's a little uncomfortable this month, you know, kind of hurting my flesh. And I remember wailing to God about it. And I was out in the garage and I said, oh, God, if we hadn't got this car, well, we'd have 300 extra dollars this month. He said, no, you wouldn't. I heard him as plain as a bell. He said, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have any more than you have right now. Because see, faith makes up the difference. So sometimes, and I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm, you better be led by the Spirit. You better know what you're doing. But sometimes when God's directing you, you step out there where the... And your faith will start producing, producing it. And in other words, you never miss it. That's what happens when you tithe. You get in faith about tithing, and what happens is, yeah, you tithe $300 this month, you ought to have 300 less. You'll never miss it. Because your faith will make up the difference. That's what happens. You'll never miss it. I don't know how God does that. I really don't know how to explain it, but I can tell you, we've proved it over and over. One thing, one principle is, is that you create a need. When you create a need, then Philippians 4.19 kicks in, my God shall supply all my need. All of a sudden, I have a car payment. I have a $300 need I didn't have. So God's obligated to, if I'm in faith, to supply $300 more. Amen? And he does it. I cannot explain to you this, but it works. Pastor Webb said one time, he's wanting to give the whole staff a raise. They were past due on a raise. And he's wanting to give them a raise. And God said, well, why don't you go ahead and give it to them? He said, well, God, the money's not there. And he said, he said, well, if you'll create a need. So he just went in with the money not being there. They weren't bringing in enough every month to do this. Gave every staff member a raise. What he did was he created a need. And guess what? Philippians 4.19 kicked in. My God shall supply all your need. I tell you, we do it all the time in this church. We have to buy things sometimes that really you go, it's not really there. But we have to buy it sometimes. And you know what? It creates a need. And you know what? That's what happened when we, when we did this church building. In the natural, you would have gone... See, we weren't even paying the rent over there. Of course, all our offerings were going to Birmingham. But I think, wasn't it 2400 a month? Or something like that over there? And we came over here and increased greatly how much we were paying rent. But Philippians 4.19 kicked in. Amen? you got to spend some time fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost, but He's no respecter of persons. These things He's done for me and these things He's done for Pastor, He'll do for you. He'll do for you. Hallelujah. You start fellowshipping with him about it. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 12. Hallelujah. Now he's given them a, a, a warning here. And, and, you, and, and we have to understand that, that he's given a warning, lest when you have eaten and are full, but I want you to see the last part, and have built goodly houses and live in them. Now he's going to warn them that after they've done this, not to forsake the Lord, not to begin to believe that their own hand did it. Amen. Amen? And we're not going to read all of that for time's sake, but I wanted you to see this, that he, that he expected them to build and live in goodly houses. Goodly houses. Goodly houses. Goodly houses. I tell you, I've been looking around. There's some goodly houses out there. God wants you to be living in a goodly house. Amen? Hallelujah. 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 He wants you to be enjoying the good of the land. Isaiah 1, 19 says, If ye be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, there's some pretty good stuff out there. They've invented some things. Since your grandmother's house... There's some new inventions. There is. 
Why, they have an invention now where you can just plug a hose into the wall and vacuum. You don't have to carry the vacuum around. They've invented that. Y'all, some of y'all know. Yeah, I know they invented that. Well, I wouldn't want one of them things. Well, why not? Why not? If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, there's a whole bunch of other stuff they've invented. Hallelujah. I'm going to be willing and I'm going to be obedient. I expect God to do what He said. He said if I'd be willing and I'd be obedient. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to have to be obedient. I'm going to have to receive what my pastor says. I'm going to have to believe for some things. Amen. Hallelujah. 26.11, Deuteronomy 26.11. Getting our mind renewed to what God wants us to have. It's helping me. It's helping me. Boy, I, I, when we found that scripture on goodly houses, I, we found it a few months ago, I got plum excited. Hallelujah. And you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household you and the Levite and the stranger and the sojourner among you. You shall rejoice in all the good. Oh, I tell you what, God wants to give you good. Well, let's just keep going. Proverbs chapter 24. This is one of my favorite, most favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Now, it's kind of, I kind of, I have kind of a decorating hobby. I like to decorate the house. Proverbs 24. And so this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Y'all there yet? Proverbs 24, 3. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built, and by understanding it is established on a sound and good foundation, and by knowledge shall the chambers of it, every area, be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. He says by wisdom, by wisdom your house can be built, and your chambers of it filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, I walk through my house sometimes and I say, Thank you, Father God. I seek wisdom first. I don't seek these things first. I'm seeking the kingdom of God first. But I thank you because of that and because I have the wisdom of God. My house is filled with all pleasant. I'm thanking Him for it. Now, do I, is it yet? Well, not totally, but we're, 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 we're advancing. We're making progress. The chambers of my house filled with all pleasant and precious riches. Well, it's individual, isn't it? You might not like the things I like. I might not like the things you like. I mean, some people... Well, I won't get on that. I'll step on a toe if I do. First Timothy 6.17. I didn't want, don't want to step on a toe in, in, on purpose. Might accidentally, but I don't want to on purpose. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Now, Proverbs 2, we won't go there because we just talked about wisdom, but Proverbs 2, verse 2 through 6 tells us to seek wisdom. To seek wisdom. You can't seek the house. You can't seek the car. You can't seek the, you know, you got to seek the wisdom and then those things will just come to you. With your faith, I mean. I'm not just saying they'll just rain on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. I'm talking with your faith. But you don't have to seek for it. Okay? We're at 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud. That's okay to be rich, but he says don't be proud, alright? And arrogant, don't be arrogant, and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, don't put your hopes on the riches, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Richly, richly and ceaselessly. He wants to give you things to enjoy richly. And He wants to give you things to enjoy ceaselessly. So He doesn't want you to say, Oh, you know, well, we asked for that and we got it. Now, you know, it would just be, um, it would, it would be unthankful for us to want something better. Or to want another one. Or to want a, a newer one. Or to want a bigger one. No, He wants to give you richly and ceaselessly. He doesn't want you to sit down and take a break with your faith. Richly and ceaselessly. 
He wants to give you things that will bring enjoyment to your life. I tell you what, there's some things that add to enjoyment that will enhance life. Well, money can't make you happy. Money can make you happy. Money can't give you joy. You will have joy whether you have money or not. But it's going to be hard to be happy if you can't feed your kids. It's going to be hard to be happy if all the kids in the school have something that you can't provide for your kids. I'm not talking about something godly. Amen? Money can bring happiness to people. You can give other people happiness by having money and sharing it. I tell you, people have given us money before. It made me very happy. It did. It made me very happy. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confusing joy with happiness. Joy comes from the Lord. And that's the only place you can get it. And the world has money and they're happy about it. But they don't have joy. And you can have joy when you're sitting in the hospital room waiting on something. And that's not very happy though, is it? But you can have joy. Hallelujah. I tell you, your bank statement, your bank deposit book can say 29 cents tonight and you can have joy. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I tell you what would make you real happy if you've got 29 cents in the bank is for somebody to walk up and hand you a thousand dollar check tonight. That'd make you happy. And God wants to make you happy. He wants to give you richly all things ceaselessly to enjoy. It makes him happy. It makes him so happy. And it's going to make you happy too. It's going to make you happy to give your kids a trampoline if they want it. It's going to make you happy to give your kids a big Christmas. Amen? It's going to make you happy. It also makes you happy. I tell you, it's blessed to give. It's going to make you happy to be able to share with others and have money. Amen? Gonna make you really happy. Okay, uh, Ephesians 3.20. Let's go there and we're, 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 gonna, we're getting to the end of them. But I got some, I still got some good stuff, so stay hooked up. Got the best part I saved till last. Ephesians 3.20. Y'all are catching. Ah, oh, I don't want to read this in the Amplified. I'm gonna read this in the King James. It's gonna take me a minute. We might could just quote it, but don't want to butcher anything, so. But we quote this a lot. This is kind of one of our theme scriptures. We lost our, you know, picture that said this, but that church said, the pastor told my, uh, Pastor Michael that, uh, it turned their whole church around. It's, it's just, their church, they, they talk about it every Sunday. It's turned their whole church around. It says, Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. He can do above all that you ask. But I, so, so let's, instead of reading this all together, let's read it like that, but now let's read it the other way. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you think. He can do more than you think. So, here's what the Holy Ghost showed me this morning. If you want a new house, but you think, I don't have a down payment. He can do exceedingly abundantly above. If you say, I'd like to have a car, but I can't, I don't think I can afford it. He can do exceeding above what you can think. You don't think you can afford it. He does exceeding abundantly above what you think. So what's the limitation that your thinking is on what you want? He can do exceeding abundantly above that. Amen? There's not a limitation. There's not a limitation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, let's keep going. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Now I'm going to go back to the Amplified now. Now we've got to get the whole picture here of how God sees us. Even as in His love He chose us 
actually pricked us. Excuse me, I don't have my glasses on. Even as in His love He chose us, actually picked us out for Himself as His own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be wholly consecrated and set apart for Him and blameless in His sight, even above reproach, before Him in love. For He foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as His own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of His will because it pleased Him and it was His kind intent. So that we might be to the praise and the commendation of His, of His glorious grace, favor and mercy, which He so freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through His blood, the remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of His gracious favor, which He lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence, making known to us the mystery, secret of His will, of His plan of His purpose, and it is this, in accordance with His good pleasure, His merciful intention, which He had previously purposed and set forth in Him, He planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. Now he's talking about that he has a plan here. And he has a big, lavish plan. He said there in, in, in verse 8 that it was a, that it was a lavish plan that he has. And he's gonna, and, and that, that it was going to be unfolded or made more clear as, as the ages progressed until we get to that time when all things will be consummated in Christ. Well, we know when that is, that when Jesus returns for the church, that's when it's all coming to a close. So we're the closest generation that has ever lived there. It's being unfolded and made more clear. This end-time prosperity thing has never been revealed to any other generation, even though it was in the Word the whole time. It's never been revealed to any other generation like it is to our generation because of His plan and His purposes. Now look in chapter 2, verse 7. It says, He did this that He might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of His free grace, His unmerited favor in kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. See, it's a demonstration. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, not because of works, y'all, this prosperity, not because of works. Lest any man should boast, it is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, believing, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. God's got a good life plan. It's been prearranged. He's already determined it, that you would live a good life. And there's a purpose in this. It's a demonstration that He wants to demonstrate all of His love, not only to show you that He loves you, but to show the world how loved and blessed and cared for His children are. And also He has another plan, that last verse we read. Part of the plan is, is for you to be furnished for every good work. He's got good works planned for you to do that He wants to supply you and furnish you for. It's already pre-planned and predetermined what you're supposed to do. You won't do it though if you don't use your faith to receive what it's going to take to do it. Amen. And you think, well, I can understand that and it's going to, but, but, so I need to put all my money into the kingdom and I don't need to be believing. I need to do all my believing for that and no need to be believing for houses, for cars, and all of those things. But you forget that people can only go by that. They can only go by what they see. The Bible says that man judges by the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, whether we like it or not, and whether it's right or not, I'm talking about morally right, is not, it's not, is not the issue. 
It may not be morally right for men to judge by outward appearance. But the Bible says whether it's morally right or not, they do. They judge by outward appearance. Maybe they shouldn't. They maybe should just look on our heart. But they don't. They judge by outward appearance. That's why we need to dress different than the world. And it's wrong for Christians not to use their faith and to dress. And it's wrong for us not... We shouldn't take on whatever the world's fad is that week or that year or whatever. I mean, if they're wearing their pants down to here, that don't mean the church should be. If they start wearing uh, 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 saran wrap mini skirts, I don't think we should. Amen. Amen. To y'all. And also, there's the, and then there's the prosperity issue. The word also says in Ecclesiastes that the poor man's wisdom is not received. Nobody believes it. They don't pay any attention to it, really, is what it is. They, they, they don't, they don't, it's just not, it's just not there for them. And so God says, I want to make a demonstration of you. Then let's look in chapter 1 again in verse 8. Now I've got to give you some definitions and then we're going to be through. In chapter 1 verse 8, which He lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom. God wants to lavish on you. Now that word lavish means this. It means bestow with profusion, produced in abundance, extravagant. See, we've been taught all our lives. Now don't be extravagant. And God says, I want to be extravagant. Very abundant. Not slightly abundant. Not just barely enough to get by. Barely enough to get along. See, this has been passed down through the the church age even. I'm telling you, we read even in our bookstore, we have books that are old books by the old timers. And I tell you what, the work and things that they did. But I'll tell you something, family. When you read those books, you have to rightly divide. And the reason you do is because they didn't have the revelation in 1915 and 1930. They didn't have the revelation. And even in the 1800s, they did not have the revelation about finances that we had. And even though they were godly saints and they could pray the wings off of a buffalo... I'm telling you what, they could pray heaven and earth together. They knew things. They knew things about the power of God. They knew things about the move of the Holy Ghost that we can draw from. But I tell you, you can't learn from them about in, about finances. Because this unfolding of the ages and this revelation that God's made more and more clear, they don't have that revelation. So when you read the books of Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake, I'm telling you what, they didn't know. And they preached with holes in their shoes, many of them. They didn't know. They didn't have that revelation. It wasn't being widely taught and widely preached. But God began to show the men in the body of Christ. Thirty About 30 years ago, God began to show Brother Kenneth E. Hagin and Brother Kenneth Copeland then. 30 years ago, Kenneth Copeland, just right over 30 years ago, began to preach on prosperity. And that it, it, now it's very common. It's very common. But family, we've got to go up to the next level. We've got to go from just prospering and having our needs met real good uh, and, you know, just really being real comfortable. we got to go up to abundance because we're, we're the generation of abundance. We're the generation of this. We're the generation that to bestow with profusion, produced in abundance, extravagant, very abundant. Listen to this. More than what is needed to pour out as of wastefully. See, your mama taught you it was sin to be wasteful. God says, I want to be wasteful on you. It'd be wasteful to have three cars if there's only two of you. That's wasteful. I don't care what you say. There's no way you can drive them at the same time. It's wasteful. God wants to be wasteful with you. He wants to be wasteful. He wants to pour out in extravagance, in abundance. Amen? He wants to. He wants you to have more dresses in your closet than you can wear, ladies. Hallelujah. He wants you, Proverbs 31, I've got Scripture and verse, clothed with fine linen and purple. He wants it. 
He wants it fine linen and purple. He wants you to, he, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to, when you walk in a room, I tell you what, you may not notice this, but there are people that go, those are Kohans. He has on Kohans. That's a shoe brand. And I'm sure there's better than that. I'm sure there's better than that. But he, there are people that notice. And they judge by the outward appearance. I mean, it's the truth. It's the truth. Now, do we do it to impress them? No, we do it to show how good our God is. We believe for those things to demonstrate how good our God is. I mean, I tell you what. Showing how good our God is. So that, I told you this before, so that it's like the little girl that walked up to Chris and said, you have everything I want. I'm telling you what, that woman opened the door wide for a testimony. Well, I'll tell you how to get it. Because God's no respecter of persons. And everything I have, God gave to me. Everything I have, God gave to me. He wants them to notice. He wants them to notice. He wants to bless you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, one more little definition. No, no, that was it. That was it. We'll save that for next week. Pastor said, don't teach them everything you know. <laughs> and if I gave you that last thing, it, the well would be dry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. Let's stand.